Glad to have my wife with me this morning. Amen. And uh, we are blessed to be here. <clears throat> We're blessed to be here with your pastor and his wife, friends for many years, and uh, at this wonderful church. So thank you so much uh, for letting us come be a part of what all the Lord is doing here. So super happy to be back here. Yeah. Took a little time to get back, but praise the Lord. Uh, better. Better late than never, I guess. Um, but I, I just uh, turned 70 years old, just wow. uh, January 12th. So <laughs> maybe, maybe I should say 70 years young. But when I met you, you were like 22, I think 23. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I never thought about yeah. 70. I probably wasn't but thinking it's doing about it either. Good. <laughs> We watched the, uh, yeah, she, the people asked me, my daughter, so. Um, um, what did I say? Uh, we watched We watched the movie, uh, Jesus Revolution movie. Some of y'all may have watched that. And uh, took us back to the 70s, you know, back, way back, man. We were Jesus freaks. Cool, man. Cool, man. Groovy. And uh, we had uh, bell-bottom blue jeans, and we had on platform shoes about like, I had an Afro hairdo that was about that big. Some people said, why don't you have it again? I said, I don't have that much hair no more. (laughs) When you're 20, you have a lot more hair than you do at 70. But uh, it was a great, great movie. It took us back to the Lord really touching a whole generation. I mean, I believe the Lord can do that kind of stuff, touch a whole generation, man. It's just amazing. And I can remember my dad pastored in a little town in South Texas called West Columbia, Texas. It's a town of 3,000 people in the town. Uh, My dad stayed there almost 50 years, and his church grew to over 2,000. But he embraced the whole Jesus movement and. I can remember we first brought drums into the church as revolutionary and lead guitar and bass guitar. It's pretty wild. And so all the teenagers started coming in. Praise the Lord. Wow. So anyway, that's we a long time ago. did the same thing. My dad said, yeah, come on. And all of our friends started getting saved. We had a move from mm-hmm. God. Yeah. We had 200 young people from school that would show up. Uh, for Bible studies mm-hmm. at our coaches, our basketball coaches' house. I mean, people were getting baptized in the Holy mm-hmm. Ghost left and right. That was a little town. A little town of 3,000 kids. I'm Colorado. telling you, and still today. I always say our, our town was, was so little. So, so small. It was so little, such a small town, they had to put a mirror at the end of town to make it look bigger. <laughs> the, uh, our town was so small. Our town was so small, the uh, Yellow Pages only had one page. <laughs> town was so small. We had two restaurants, and whichever one you ate at, you wish you'd eaten at the other one. Uh, our town was so small, they had a beauty contest and nobody won. All right, so it's small. I say it was an ugly town, too. <laughs> it's been ugly. That, that's why I got out of town to get married. <laughs> Anyway, y'all can be seated. Thank you so much. Um, 
Trina is going to sing in just a moment, but uh, I, I carry um, uh, books and CDs and stuff. Um, uh, years ago, the Lord spoke to us about writing some books on who you are in Christ and stuff like that. And uh, so it kept multiplying. So uh, all the stuff is half price while we're here. And uh, because your church, y'all have been a partner with us, a faithful partner every month for years and years. And it has really been a blessing, not just to us, but the places that we go and carry the word. So <clears throat> we have our books right now in 30 different languages. We just got our book translated into the language of Farsi. And uh, it is being distributed now in Iran and Iraq to pastors. And we're going to Turkey in just a few months and do a uh, leadership pastor's conference in Turkey in just a few months. So uh, people get the word everywhere. Amen. Yeah. All right. Who's going to help me pass these out real quick? I won't take too long, I hope. Uh, this one's on the Holy Spirit. Uh, my dad always said the Holy Spirit's a genius. If you listen to him, he'll make you look smart. We know you're not that smart, but you've got a genius living in you. you got the Holy Spirit. So learn to recognize and yield to the Holy Spirit. And uh, so this is a book on the Holy Spirit. So I'll give you a free one if you want that one. He just whoever waves their hand the best, I guess. Just give it to him. Amen. <clears throat> uh, this book is on the, the God kind of love and growing in the God kind of love. Uh, our spiritual father, along with your pastors, was Kenneth e. Hagan or Dad Hagan. And so Dad Hagan would preach on... Uh, growing in love, walking in love. He said you cannot grow spiritually without growing in the God kind of love. Uh, he said the only way to grow in this, you have to renew your mind regularly. So I've got that in a bunch of different translations in here, a few things. And then I've got the Dad Hagen's last prophecy on that subject. And uh, he prophesied if you will walk in love that the enemy will flee from you. And the blessing of the Lord will flow. So I got this little book to make it easy and carry it in your purse or your car. I usually open it up and read a few of the different translations uh, almost every day. And every time I do, I'm like, oh, I need to fix a couple of things. Anyway, so so give that somebody and walking in love. It's a simple little book, but it's a great book. This is the newest book that we have. It's called, uh, this is Quotes. We're celebrating 50 years, 50 years of ministry. And so this is quotes on who you are in Christ, spirit of faith, uh, redemption, the blood, all kinds of quotes in here. It's a book you can really get real fast. Give us this uh, sweet lady on the front row here. And uh, she's uh, the pastor friend came. Amen. God bless you. Uh, this is a new book called The God Kind of Life. That all religions, all religions give lessons, but only Jesus Christ gives life. Now, how many of y'all know you just didn't need a lesson? You needed life. And Jesus came to give you life. So this is a study on that eternal life. There's a guy waving back on the back row. I don't know. He might be like, he might be deserving. This is a Trina's book called God's Healing Word. And so this book is on how to take the word by prescription or like medicine. Uh, she was healed of a brain tumor years, 30 years ago, and the word, the word. So give it to anybody that you think, you know, looks like you might want to give it to. Uh, this is a new book by Trina called Effective Prayer for Your Family. Uh, we have seen your family, and you need prayer. But anyway, this is, this is Trina's book on, you want to give that to somebody on prayer for the family? 
this book here is called The Bloodline of a Champion. Every chapter is on faith in the blood. So I see a bunch of people over there on your side over there. Uh, this one is on revolutionary revelation. Every breakthrough in faith comes from a breakthrough in revelation knowledge. You want to give that to somebody? Uh, this is a brand new book called The Great Confession that Jesus is the Lord. The Great Confession, all the confessions go with that. I don't know who you want to give that to. This book, uh, this is a... This is a set of CDs. Before I tell you, some people don't have CD players any longer. Uh, this I did at the Eagle Mountain called the Praise Cure. And, boy, they got loose. All right, I'll give it to that lady right there. You might want to stand up so they don't give somebody else. And so the CDs in here. If you don't have a CD player, all these messages are on the Mark Hankins Ministry app. All you have to do is download the app. It's free. And all the messages, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of messages, including these, are absolutely free. So you don't have to buy any CDs. Just download the app. Or if you have a CD player, you can take that and give that to somebody. Praise the Lord. And uh, I'm looking forward to being back tonight at 630 already. So, Trina, uh, you want to sing and maybe preach a little bit? And I'll come up here when you're finished. Is it all right if I put this podium down here when I get it? Is that illegal or against the law? Amen. All right. Whenever. I could do it. He's just making himself at home. <laughs> He's moving the furniture around. I say that's when you're home. <laughs> Praise God. How many glad to be at church on Sunday? Wow. I, we think back a few, a uh, couple years ago when we couldn't come to church. Ah, that's like hell. But <laughs> we are at church, and I was glad when they said, Come on, let's go to church. I love Jesus. Amen to you. Hallelujah. I remember when I, you know, I was raised in church, preacher's kid and stuff, and I went to college. I met Mark. And like, you said, like he said, the Afro thing, and it is cool. So cool. <laughs> so we went out and uh, had some orange juice. It was exciting. He was he was fun, though. And uh, the girls at the dorm, you know, when you're at college, the girls at the dorm, they're waiting for you. How did it go? How did it go? <laughs> and I said, oh, I just loved it. We had such a good time. I said, we talked about faith, who you are in Christ, all that. He said, they said, yeah, that's all he talks about. I said, I liked it. I like it. How many remember the first time, or maybe this is the first day, you will really get a good grip on, ah, I'm not who I used to be. What does Second Corinthians 5.17 say? If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, everything has become new. When I heard Mark preach, I thought, wow, I think I'm going to hang out with him. <laughs> Fifty years we've been preaching together, and the message of who we are in Christ is most profound to this day. Amen. So I'm not going to sing anything new. I'm going to sing something good, though. When he sees me and when he sees you, he sees us in Christ. Amen. You can start that.
God had a plan from the beginning of time a plan to resurrect his man and restore the glory the glory he once had so he sent his love in the form of his own little son he became the perfect sacrifice he gave his very life to rescue all of man now when he sees me he sees me in him he no longer sees a sinner an outcast or a beggar or what I once had been oh no he sees me through his blood through the cross and the resurrection he sees me raised up seated next to him in heaven when he sees me he sees me in Christ hallelujah In him I live and in him I have my being oh, he has clothed me in his righteousness he's canceled every debt and set this prisoner free now I can boldly come this is what I love. I just walk right into the throne room of His grace. For there's no more condemnation. I'm a new creation created in Christ. Oh, when He sees me. In him, oh, he no longer sees a sinner, an outcast or a beggar, or what I once had been. Oh, no, he sees me through his blood, through the cross and the resurrection.
When you see those two words, stop and circle those two words. And uh, when you see those two words, it's describing something you are and something you have. Because when you made Jesus your Lord, you are now in Christ. In Christ. Um, so really, you hear you only have really a preposition in Christ. In Christ. And yet it's the number one terminology that the Apostle Paul uses in his revelation. You could say God did in Christ what he wanted to do in every person. God put into Christ everything he wanted us to have. So when you make Jesus your Lord, really the number one terminology Paul uses is that you are now in Christ. One writer said you've been, you are now in Christed. You're in Christed. So there's 130 in Christ scriptures. So when Dad Hagen said that, I was 17 years old, so my mama was thrilled that uh, I'd gotten out of jail. My dad and the deacons got me out of jail. They sent me to Africa, you know, and one-way ticket, and I stayed in Africa. And so I was a special project. I got baptized several different ways. We tried every formula. They actually... Um, Held me underwater for a little while to see if that would work. So, um, but when Dad Hagen came along teaching on the subject of faith and he was teaching on who you are in Christ, uh, then I'd just go to my room every day and tell my mom I'm not going anywhere. I'm not answering the phone. Back in those days, you had a phone with about a 20-foot cord, you know. So I'm not talking to nobody. Uh, and so I would go in there, and he would say, well, one of the best ways to study the Bible, a lot of ways you can study the Bible. I said, there's a lot of ways you can study the Bible. But he said, the best way I have found, he said, is to go through Paul's letters, Romans, Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Colossians, and every time you see the two words, then write those scriptures down because that describes something you are or something you have because you are now in Christ. <laughs> so we found there's 130, but really there's only about 35 that are super significant. Only about 35. So I just made that list 17 years old. He said, now write that down, and then every day confess, declare, or acknowledge yes. this is who I am. That's 35 scriptures. This is who I am. This is what I have because I'm now in Christ. Not trying to get it. Not someday going to get it. Not struggling trying to get it. Right now. Because of the grace of God, I am now in Christ. So really all you have is a preposition in the word Christ. The word Christ means the anointed one. The source of the anointing for us, the anointed one, his anointing. And then you just have the word uh, preposition, in. So I was reading Arthur S. Way's translation of uh, Paul's letters, and he said, uh, he said, the key to the gospel is in the prepositions. I thought, really, I should have paid attention in English class. The key to the gospel is in the prepositions. And he said, uh, he said, but the English language was not constructed for a preposition to carry the kind of weight that the gospel calls upon it to carry. So the prepositions break down under the weight and go almost unnoticed. So I thought, huh, key to the gospel is in the prepositions. They go almost unnoticed. So little words like for... With, in, through, by. 
little prepositions, the key to the gospel. In other words, a preposition is simply a connecting word that shows relationship. Connects you to whatever noun or pronoun and shows your relationship in whatever verb or activity is going on. Got any English teachers in here today? So let's look at the prepositions real quickly here. Simply this way, that everything Jesus did, he did it for us. There's your preposition right there. Everything Jesus did, he did it for us. Or some translations would say, in our behalf. All right, let's go over that one more time. Everything Jesus did, he did it for us or in our behalf. Amen. Amen. Everything Jesus did, he did it for us, and it's set to the credit of our account like we were there. In other words, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. He's made a curse for us in our behalf. Amen. Are neither by the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood, Jesus entered in once into the holy place, and he obtained eternal redemption for us. So everything Jesus did, he did it for us, for us, so we were identified with him. We were identified with him, which is mean you're going to have a new identity. Well, we were laughing on the way to church because Brenda likes one of my jokes about the rednecks, you know, that got pulled over by the policeman. And the policeman said, you got any ID? And he said, about what? So, so understanding your ID, your identification, and if you're not carrying your ID, come on, you ain't going to go very far if you're not carrying your identification. So understanding your identification with Christ to be considered as one and the same with him so that we were identified with him and now we are in him, are in union with him. So now through him and by him we can do all things. And so the key to the gospel is in the preposition that we are now a new creature in Christ. In union with Christ. Our one translator would say engrafted into Christ. So we've just got Christ the anointed one and his anointing. Amen. So now every touch of the anointing brings you to your identification with Christ. Amen. Amen. On the anointing of the Holy Spirit, every touch of the anointing will can cancel out any former identity. That you're not who your mama made you, you're not who the past made you, you're not who circumstances, but they made you. Come on, you are now a new creature in Christ. Old things have passed away. Everything has become new. Amen. So you go from acknowledging for your faith to become contagious. You know, nowadays, you know, everybody's talking about, you know, they don't want to catch, you know, what somebody else got. So, you know, I'm afraid they're going to catch it. And I was in a, in a store and I got off my little dot, you know, a year or two ago. And so 
I was singing or something, and boy, this lady got all upset. And I said, oh, I'm so sorry, ma'am. I wasn't even paying attention. I mean, I got off my dot. And uh, I said, but then again, you might want to catch what I got. Anyway, so, praise the Lord. So, if anyone is in Christ, 2 Corinthians 5.17, you got that? For your faith to become contagious instead of you catching what somebody else has. Your faith becomes contagious by you acknowledging, being conscious of everything that is ours. And then the Amplified Bible says everything that is ours in our identification with Christ. Your identification with Christ. In other words, as a Christian, as a believer, you cannot really find your identity. Let's look at it this way. I like this part right here because... um, When uh, Jesus said to Simon, who do you say that I am? Everybody said, well, you're Elijah, one of the prophets. But Simon said what? You are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus said, flesh and blood didn't show you that, but my father, which is in heaven. Come on, this is the rock I'll build my church upon this revelation. So he said, you are the Christ. And then Jesus turned around and said to Simon, And you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. So here's the way the Lord said to me. He said, Simon said to Jesus, you are the Christ. And Jesus said to Simon, and you are Peter. What does that mean? That means when you acknowledge who Jesus is, he's going to tell you who you are. Don't allow nobody else to tell you who you are but Jesus. Amen. In other words, you're a piece of a rock, a revelation of who Christ is. Amen. Amen. So now where are you going to find that at? Well, um, I was reading, uh, I was probably 17, I was reading Luke chapter 4. And in Luke chapter 4, it says that Jesus preached his first sermon. It probably wasn't that great of a sermon because they tried to throw him off a cliff. But uh, (laughs) Jesus preached his first sermon. And Jesus' first sermon, he said, it says he, he opened the book of the scriptures, which was to Isaiah. And Jesus opened the book, and it says he found the place where it was written. And he said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. So Jesus literally found himself. Because he had laid aside his deity powers, he became a man, so he had to grow in wisdom, grow in stature, grow in favor. And so Jesus literally found himself in Isaiah. And he said, see that scripture right there? He said, that's me right there. Did you know he said the whole volume of the book is written about me? So for you to find your identity who you are in Christ, you just have to open up Romans, Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Colossians, find the in Christ scripture and say, well, that's talking about me right there. I was just wondering who I was and what I got there. I am right there. So Jesus said, this is who I am. Come on, don't be trying to go by your feelings. Come on and look on Ancestry.com to try to figure out who you are. 
Come on, you're redeemed by the blood of Jesus. You're a new creature in Christ. Old things have passed away. Everything has become new. So there's 35 in Christ scriptures, 35, and most translators will only put in Christ or in union with Christ, or the Amplified Bible will say engrafted into Christ. What? So Paul said, he that is joined to Christ becomes a single spirit. In other words, the same life that's in Christ, the same righteousness, same blessing, same authority that's in Christ. Now, your spirit is the part of you that's engrafted into Christ, and the same life that's in him now flows in your spirit and your inner man. Same righteousness, same authority, and the same blessing. Everybody say the same thing. Amen. Amen. That means the same identical thing that's in Christ now is on the inside of you. Praise the Lord. Now, I used uh, my my grandson, Dylan, as an example because Dylan, uh, what was it, several years ago, when he was three years old, he was diagnosed with leukemia. So they did a lot of treatment. So we went through three years of that. So I'll give you a brief addition here. And it's a great challenge, great challenge for our family. But Dylan's now perfectly healthy, plays on the basketball team, runs all over the court. He's perfectly healthy. But when he's diagnosed with leukemia, it didn't look like he was even going to live, you know, a few days. Well, in other words, they did all the treatments to him uh, to try to stop the leukemia. Really, and about two years later, um, they said, well, you know, we have found some other cells here. So the only way we can fix this is he's going to have to have a bone marrow transplant. So a bone marrow transplant would be like a stem cell transplant. So they got to find a donor that matches. Well, the great thing was all three of his brothers matched. So they picked Gavin, which is the middle one. He wasn't that happy about it. But they picked Gavin. So we had to bribe him a lot, you know. Here's what we're going to do for you, Gavin. You know, you're saving your brother's life. But then they took Gavin's, you know, his stem cells, took his blood for three days. And they took enough to last all of Dylan's life. When he turns 18, he'll be able to decide if he wants to keep it or if he wants to give it away. But now he's, what, eight? Nine, like I said, change every year. So, so here, here Dylan, for him to live, he's going to have to receive a bone marrow transplant stem cell from his older brother. So they took all of his older brother Gavin, they took all of his, and then the day came they're going to take his blood, put it into Dylan. So the doctor came in and told Dylan, they said, Mr. Dylan, we're getting ready to say goodbye to you. We were a lot, you know, we're a little bit like, what do you mean by that? And uh, they said, because when you receive your brother's stem cells, then you will receive his DNA. Matter of fact, you'll receive his DNA to the degree that, that if he is convicted of a crime, you could be convicted of the same crime because you have the same identical DNA. So you might want to encourage him to live well because whatever he's got, 
You got the same DNA. Hey, and then they said, from here on, Dylan, you will have uh, two birthdays every year. So they took Gavin's stem cell, put it up, you know, on a pole, and it's really a critical time because uh, they took all those stem cells, put it in to uh, Dylan, and they said this is so critical because if Dylan's body, if he rejects those stem cells, he cannot live. So we're all praying. We're saying, ah, you know, Dylan, he, he's going to say, when this, his stem cells come in, he's going to say, welcome, we're glad to see y'all. Come on in. Amen. Come on in. So, so they gave him six hours of the stem cell, and uh, everything went great. The doctor said everything went great. But then they tested him over the next three or four months. They tested his blood to see how much of Dylan was Gavin and how much was Dylan. So the first test, they said, now he's about 50% Gavin, and he's about 50% Dylan. But the next test, more. And then finally, the doctor came in. He was so happy. He said, now Dylan is 100% Gavin. In other words, there's no evidence left of what Dylan used to be. He has had what we call a molecular remission where there's not one molecule in his body of what he used to be or that he ever had leukemia. So I thought, now if medical science can do something like that, I wonder what God has done for us through the death and the cross and the blood of Jesus. Come on now. Listen, and imagine who your donor is. Wonder where that blood came from. Imagine who your donor is. Woo! Now engrafted on the inside of you. Woo! Amen. So every time the enemy brings up a picture of your past, you say, I'm saying goodbye to that because I'm a new creature in Christ and old things have passed away. Everything has become new. That means I'm now, what, engrafted into Christ. Are y'all still with me here? And there's really only two ordinances in the church. And both show your identification with Christ. One of them, which is water baptism. When you make Jesus your Lord, you get baptized. And you are baptized into his death. Then made alive, raised up together with him. And that's a physical demonstration of your identification with Christ. The other one is what we call the Lord's Supper or communion, that when you take the bread, you are digesting. And when you take the cup, his blood. So even though there's a mystery there, it is a spiritual reality that you are a new creature in Christ. Nothing left of what you used to be. Amen. Your spirit is literally engrafted into Christ into the anointed one and his anointing now flows on the inside amen so he says for that to be effective then you need to know about that or the devil will try to connect you to the past i took a psychology class in college and and I passed because they had multiple choice tests. 
And, and I am a very, very lucky guy, I'm telling you. So I passed. So I just learned that, that, that when it comes to why people act the way they act. Have you ever wondered that? I mean, it's very interesting. And sometimes when you get a little bit older, you might walk by a mirror and think you saw one of your parents. The thing that you feared most is 17, and you look just like your mama or your daddy. You're like. So there's tremendous determinism, and they would call that genetic determinism. Amen. So if you go to the doctor, he's going to ask you what stuff your daddy or mama had because they're going to say that, that runs in your family. So they call it genetic determinism. Then they call the other one psychological determinism. The way I think or because of my experiences or what has happened to me. In other words, we would say if, if you knew what happened to me, you would know why I act the way I act. So we call that psychic determinism. Next is environmental determinism. That reason I am the way I am because I was raised in the country. Redneck determinism, we call that. Or I was raised in the hood. So you heard about those two, two rednecks, you know, that went out fishing. And so they really wanted to go far out in the lake, so they went and rented them a boat. So they went way out in the lake. And, man, they caught so many fish that uh, on the way back in, one of them said, the other one said, uh, I sure hope you marked the spot where we caught all those fish. And so one of them said, well, I did. He said, I marked it. He said, well, how would you mark it? He said, well, I put a big X right in the bottom of the boat. He said, right where we caught all those fish. <laughs> so he's... So the other one said, well, you idiot. How do you know we're going to get the same boat next time? So, all right. So now. So it's, it's hard to help. Environmental determinism. In other words, that's the reason why I am, I think, and act this way because of where I was raised and how I was raised. And then the other is, uh, I am the way I am because of my experiences or what has happened to me. Now, there's a great scripture in uh, Romans chapter 5, verse 20, which that scripture was up on my, my grandpa's church. And that scripture said, where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. Where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. But Lombach's translation says it this way, God's work in Christ far exceeds any damage done to us by Adam's fall. All right, we're going to try that one more time. God's work in Christ far exceeds. In other words, what happened to Jesus is greater than anything that has ever happened to you. His grace is greater. I said his blood is greater. The same spirit is greater so that you would be acknowledging now your identification with Christ and who you are in him, in him. And there's 35 in Christ scriptures. And if you want your faith to be strong, 
You just look those in Christ scriptures up. Write them down in about five different translations. And get up every day and say, this is who I am. This is what I have. Because I'm a new. The word new means new in kind. New in quality. Unheard of before. I'm a new kind of human that never existed before. All right, let's try that. In other words, you're not just a forgiven sinner. You're not just, well, someday I'm going to go to heaven, but you're a new creature in Christ. All right, turn to Galatians 2.20 real quickly. Galatians 2.20. Everybody say, I'm a new creature in Christ. Somebody say, uh, who do you think you are? You say, well, how much time you got? I got 35 scriptures right here to tell you who I think I am. Amen. I am not trying to be, not someday going to be. I didn't produce it. God produced it. Amen. 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 I'm in Christ. So Galatians 2.20, can you find that? Praise the Lord. Y'all ready? Galatians 2.20. I am. I like it because it starts off with I am. Amen. Other translations will say I have been. But really, King James says I am because that's what you're saying is what happened on the cross has now determined who I am. This is who I am. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So now you've got four Come on, and with what Jesus did for us, and now I was identified with him. Other translations said Christ took me to the cross with him, and I died there with him. Another translation says, I consider myself as having died, and now I'm enjoying a second existence, which is simply Jesus using my body. So my identity now, who I am, is determined by what happened on the cross. Christ took me to the cross, and I died there with him. Amen. Now it is not my old self, but Christ himself who lives on the inside of me. So what Paul is saying in Galatians 2.20 is not, you know, well, someday, one of these days. What Paul is saying in Galatians 2.20 is this is true about me right now. In other words, what he's saying is this is actually every believer's testimony. All right, praise the Lord. Now, whatever problem you got, I guarantee a crucifixion will cure it. Because <laughs> you just don't survive them, I'm telling you. So, so, so. Paul said, I was there in his death. Come on, the mystery of what happened on the cross is just one man got us in this mess and one man got us out. So what was happening on the cross, the death of Christ, the blood of Christ, the blood of his cross, what happened there now resonates in the spirit of every believer. Come on, and whatever thoughts, and, and oh, I like to say it this way, because I had a pastor friend of mine come to me and start kind of telling me his weaknesses and his problems, you know. And so he kept going this way. We were sitting in my truck, so he's like, 
I have this, and I'm this way, and I'm that way, and I got this. I said, I thought you were safe. I said, are you talking about is I this and I that and I something else? And that's when the Lord said, tell him, never let your struggle become your identity. Come on, we're not saying you don't have any struggles, but don't let that become the I in your life. You say, now that ain't who I am. Let me tell you who I am. (laughs) Jesus made me who I am. So Dan Hagen would say, hold on to your confession of faith. Even if failure is on all four corners. All right, let's look at it this way. Jesus was constantly confessing his identity and his destiny, where he came from and where he's going. So somebody said, I just want to be like Jesus, okay? Jesus was constantly (laughs) confessing. Where he came from, he said, and let me tell you who I am, constantly declaring it. And then he said, let me tell you where I came from, let me tell you where I'm going. In other words, if you want to be strong in faith, you must be constantly confessing your identification with Christ through the power of his cross, the blood of his cross, your identification with him. In other words... Whoever I used to be is now gone. We have a few traces left of him somewhere in my memory, but that's not the real him because the real I was crucified with Christ, is dead and gone. Now I am a new creature in Christ. I am the righteousness of God in Christ, all right? Praise the Lord. So that's 35. 35, important for your confession. Amen? Amen. All right, you go from Galatians 2, 20, jump to Ephesians 2, 4 through 6. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4. Y'all ready? Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4. King James says this, but God who's rich in mercy. How many glad about that? Let's try that again. I said, how many glad God is really rich in mercy? (laughs) <laughs> He's got so much mercy, he don't even use the same mercy every day. He's got like new mercy every day. God is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us. Come on, you got to have a revelation of the love of God. He loved you so much, great and wonderful and intense love. He loved us so much. What's it say in the next verse? Even when we were dead, now that's a problem. He didn't say you were ill and there was still hope. He said, you're hopeless. You're dead. He said, you were dead in trespasses and sins. And where it says he hath quickened us together with Christ. All right, let's try that one more time. The word quickened means he made us alive together with Christ. He gave us the same life with which he quickened him. Same means the same identical life that he gave to Christ. He made us alive together with him. 
by grace you're saved, and hath what? Raised us up together. Wow, wait. Come on, you're looking in Ephesians someday in your life. Well, there I am right there. I just found myself right there. Look at her. Made alive, raised up together. Look at me. I'm looking a lot better right now. Made alive together with him. Seated together with him in heavenly places. Far above all principality and power might dominion. So I, here I am. I am right here. So you can't fight the fight of faith from down here. No, you got to fight the fight of faith from up there. All right, so the first time I saw that, probably 17, 18 years old, when I first saw that, because Dad Hagen said, look at those scriptures on your identification of Christ. So when I first saw that, I was like, huh. And the Holy Spirit showed me a quick picture of my identification with Christ. I was 17. And when he did, I saw myself made alive, raised up, and seated together with Christ. That's that's first time I started laughing. Sometimes you preach, people think, you know, why, why are you laughing? Are you laughing at me? Not really. I mean, uh, but when I saw my identification with Christ, that's the first time I went, ha, ha. That means I'm not trying to get it. Jesus got it for me. I'm seated with him. So I just went, ha, ha, ha. Ha, 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 ha. Ha, ha, ha. All right, so then the reality of that began to affect my consciousness. The way I think, and when I first saw that, the reality of that, it hit me just like that in my, in my mind. Now, first time I ate wasabi, <laughs> how many of you ever had any wasabi? First time I ate wasabi, how many of you ever had wasabi, the green stuff on the side? All right, so they'll tell you, be careful about the green stuff. But the first time I ate, I said, I'm from Texas. I eat jalapeno peppers. I'm afraid of no wasabi. So I just got the green stuff, put it in the soy sauce. Come on, I dipped in that with my sushi and put that in my mouth in just about three seconds. Wasabi went to my brain. It just went boom. Oh, I couldn't contain myself. I'm hollering at wasabi hit my brain. Come on, so while I was meditating on made alive together, raised up together with Christ, wasabi. <laughs> the word is alive, and the reality of that hit my mind, and I went, that's not someday, that's not where I'm trying to go, that's something God did for me in Christ, and I'm made alive, seated together with him. Wasabi, the reality of that is the devil is way underneath my feet. Man, that's who I am. That's what I have. That's what I can do. Come on, where are you getting your identity from anyhow? You need to get it from Jesus. Amen. 
this is who I am, my identification with Christ. Wasabi. Well, we have a pastor friend in New Jersey, and I just met him at his church in New Jersey. But he's watching our television program, and, I was, and somehow I was telling the story about the word, how you receive the word, you know, wasabi. So uh, he, he heard that program, and I never met him before, but he sent me $100,000. So I was like, wasabi. So, <laughs> I said, wasabi. So... Uh, he said, thank you for that revelation because the Word is a living thing. It is alive. Are you all still with me here? Now think about this. The same power that's in the events. Come on, the resurrection of Christ, the greatest display of power in the history of the universe. And when God raised Christ from the dead, why did God use such tremendous power when he raised Christ from the dead? Because Jesus was not overcoming rigor mortis. Rigor mortis is serious. You get stiff. They put you in a box, bury you underground. So I'm not saying rigor mortis is not serious. But when God raised Christ from the dead, he wasn't just overcoming physical death. When God raised Christ from the dead, he released enough power to undo everything Satan had done in Adam, enough power to destroy the works of the devil, enough power to make you a new creature in Christ, enough power to give you victory over every devil, every demon, enough power. Power in the gospel, the same power that's in the event is in. Come on, the word of his power. Man. Wasabi. I'm like. Come on, you could just be meditating on the word. And you go. Come on now, we had a president, and I would say who years ago, but he said he, he did smoke marijuana, but he did not inhale. So I'm not, I'm not going to say much about that, all right? But he said he, he did smoke marijuana, he did not inhale. I just laughed. I thought he did not inhale. How did he do that? Like he's like in a group or something, you know, and they're passing a joint around. When they gave it to him, he went, and just held it in his mouth. He went. He did not inhale. Well, he didn't get the full benefit if he don't inhale. He's just holding it in his mouth. Forgive me. But I thought that happens in church all the time. People come to church, they hear the word, and they go, praise the Lord. Come on, but somebody next to you may be going, praise the Lord and breathe in the life of God. Ah. <laughs> somebody said, what did you do at church? I inhale the word of God, man. I breathe in. when people inhale and when they're leaving church they're like come on other people that they praise the Lord that was a good service wasn't it 
the same power that's in the event. Oh, come on now. Let me pray for you right now. I said the same power which Paul said, I'm praying for you. How would he pray for someone that's already a believer? Father God, come on, it's Ephesians chapter 1. How would you pray? So Dad Hagen said, pray that prayer in Ephesians 1. Pray it every day for at least six months and don't miss, don't miss a day. Well, I was 17. I said, all right, Ephesians 1. Father God, here's what I'm asking you for. I'm asking you to give unto me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of God. Wasabi. In other words, I'm asking you that I can know what you know, see what you see. I'm asking you to give unto me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of God, that the eyes of my heart would be flooded with light. Are y'all still here now? Come on, faith comes by hearing, but revelation knowledge comes by seeing. In other words, the Word captures your imagination and you see what happened. All right, let's try this. The Apostle Paul had seen something awesome in the resurrection of Christ. He saw it. Let's try this out. I said, he saw it. Kind of like Moses wrote the Pentateuch, right? First five books of the Bible, who wrote that? Moses. Who wrote Genesis? Moses. How did he write that? He wasn't there. How did he do that? Moses must have been in his tent, and God said, you want me to show you how I created the world? Oh, that'd be cool. In the beginning, the earth. And so Moses like, oh, earth thou harm, boy, darkness. And God said, let there be light. Hey, Moses came out of his tent, you know, and his face was like shiny, like. <laughs> I just saw how God created the world. What do you think about that? <laughs> Are y'all still here? So Paul is not saying this is my exclusive revelation. I'm the only one that can see this. Paul says, I pray for every believer to see the same thing I saw what happened when God raised Christ from the dead. Every believer should see the same thing. How are you going to get there? Just ask. Father God, I'm asking you. And he said, do it every day. So I did it twice a day. 17 years old. Afro, bell-bottom blue jeans. Little card, King James on one side, amplified on the other side. I'd say, Father God, I'm 17. My prayer is this one right here. You're giving me the spirit of wisdom. Before that, I would have been like, yeah, Corvette would be nice. Come on, you know. Hey, you get this so you can get anything else you, you need anywhere, anytime. I'm asking you to give unto me what? The spirit of wisdom, revelation, knowledge, God, the eyes of my understanding being light, that I may know what is the hope of your calling, what is the riches of the glory of your inheritance, saints, what is the exceeding greatness of your power towards us who believe according to the work of your mighty power, which you wrought in Christ when you raised him from the dead. All right, let's go over that one more time. I'm kind of going fast this morning, but I hadn't been here in five years. So, so I, Father God, I'm asking you. Come on. 
I'm asking you, Lord. I'm asking you. I'm asking you. Here's what I'm asking you for, and I'm not going to stop asking. Why? Because there's further light and further revelation. I'm asking you to give unto me personally. Come on. I don't want the Bible just to be a book, you know, of theology and doctrine. I, I want it to come alive in my life, in my brain, come on, in my house. Revelation. Come on, you don't have to wait till you're 50 for that to happen. It can happen at 17 years old. And you say, what's that going to affect? That's affecting my identity. You raised Christ from the dead. Exceeding great, unlimited, immeasurable power. I'm asking you. How many believe he'd do it for you? I mean, I believe God say, I'll do it for you. I'm going to do that for you. At the most unusual time. Come on, you'll be reading the Word, and you go, whoa, well, there I am right there. Made alive. Y'all still here? Same life. Gave us the same life. Same identical life. Same identical life. All right, let's try it one more time. He gave me the same identical life that he gave to Christ. Same stuff. I got the same stuff. That he gave to Christ, same life, whatever it did in Christ. Y'all still with me? In other words, it is this life that Jesus had on the earth. In him was this life, life, and that life was the light of men. In other words, Jesus was carrying this life. And the devil cannot dominate any man or woman who has this life. That's why Jesus casting out devils, you know, healing the sick. Well, he's got this life. All right, let's try it one more time. Come on now. This life. He's carrying this life. Number one need, or you could say, Eternal life, the God kind of life. He that hath the Son hath this life. And he made us alive with this life. Same identical life that's in Christ. It is a spiritual substance. So you can have a taste of it. Or you can have rivers of it. More than you can contain. You say, well, what's in that life? Well, there's healing in that life. I said there's healing in that life. Come on, that life will come up out of your spirit. Come on, get into your soul and your mind, your emotions. Then it'll get into your blood and your bones. Come on now, and your kidneys and your liver and your stomach. You say, I got eternal life. Listen now, which is better translated, the life of the eternal one. All right, let's try one. In other words, so it is this life that makes you a new creature. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. It is this life that makes you a new unusual 
different kind of human. You can no longer say, I'm only human. You can say, I'm also human, but I am not only human. Wait, wait. Because the same identical spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells on the inside of me. The same spirit lives in me. And he gives life to my mortal body, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, the Holy Spirit himself, that he lives on the inside of me. Same spirit right now. Come on. He drives cancer out of your body, drives disease out of your body. Come on, get depression out of your mind. I have the God kind of life. When you say I'm a new creature in Christ, that's you saying all that. That's why some people, they go, I'm a new creature in Christ. Listen, camel breath. Somebody online. Listen. Listen, I, I didn't come back for five years after the last time. I don't know how long it'll be this time. So, this life, and we got to get it all out right now. This life, come on, this is the God kind of life. It is resurrection life. What does that mean, resurrection life? Well, it means it already been through death and conquered it. In other words, this is the life of Christ. It has been tested with every trial, every situation, and has overcome in every situation. It's the life of Christ. It's resurrection life. Been through death and back. Hallelujah. It is triumphant life. It's resurrection life. It's the God kind of life. Are y'all still here? So when you make Jesus your Lord, Come on, you didn't just get forgiven. Oh, it's nice to be forgiven. But you didn't just get, someday I'm going to go to heaven. No, Jesus came that you might have this life. And have it more abundantly means have more than you can contain of this life. Come on, so you are an unusual kind of human. We've known that before, but I'm telling you now. <laughs> Paul said you're a new creature. Paul actually described himself as a man in Christ. What's that mean? He said, oh, such a one ascended to the third heaven. He said, I didn't know I was in body out of body. Wow. 
Now, how does this become a reality? One, by how you receive the word, wasabi. Number two is by the indwelling Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, <laughs> I always laugh because Jesus said, I'm going to go away, I'm going to send you, I'm going to send you Holy Spirit. You know, I've seen his work, he does great work. Don't be afraid of him. When he comes, he's with you now, but in that day, he's going to actually move in you. So we wondered how long this job was going to take for him to move in you. And we finally determined he's going to have to be in you forever. <laughs> uh, not just going to check in and out on Sundays, you know, and Mondays, you know. He's... Matter of fact, he's going to move inside of you forever. And he's going to take everything that's mine and everything the Father has. Amen. So the Holy Spirit's job is he takes everything Christ has done for us and makes it a reality in our experience. Without the help of the Holy Spirit, you could just have a lot of theology and Bible verses, but when you get filled with the Holy Spirit, Praise the Lord. Amen. When you recognize, come on, if you're not impressed with who you are in Christ, you have not seen him lately. When you recognize, the Holy Spirit says he's your, he's your uh, guide. How many of you ever been on a tour guide with somebody? And you got the guide up there, you know, and you got 10, 20 people in there, and they're following the tour guide around. How many of you ever had... You know, somebody else talking to you while you're trying to listen to the tour guide. Come on, we've been to Israel many times, you know, and so you have some smart tour guides, you know. So the tour guide's showing you, and he's trying to show you what happened here, you know, 2,000 years ago. Here's what happened here. I said, would you listen to the tour guide and let him tell you what happened? Come on. And next time you're reading Ephesians, you know, the tour, tour guide will say, uh, now something happened here. Stop just a second. I want you to look see what happened here. Because whatever happened here, whatever happened there, in the cross, the death, the resurrection of Christ, whatever happened there. So Paul had seen what happened. Anytime something happens, you know, people go, what happened? <laughs> I mean, you can't even get down the freeway because people just wondering, what happened? What happened? I'm like, what happened? What happened? And people don't know, what, what happened? What happened? Can you? Why? They even want to know what happened with people that they don't even know. They're like, what happened <laughs> to Prince so-and-so and the princess? I don't know what happened. Well, why don't you just figure out what happened 
to Jesus. Because everything he did, he did it for us. Set to the credit of our account, like we were there with him, identified with him. What happened? I don't know what happened. So, if you go to Israel, you go on what they call the Via Dolorosa. They say these are the stations of the cross. Here's what happened here, what happened here, what happened here. Here's what happened here. Then there's always usually some, some nut that wants to build a church on it. I mean, even, even, even Peter suggested that on the Mount of Transfiguration. I mean, he met Jesus. He saw Jesus transfigured. He went, Lord, we could be like three tabernacles. We could be one here and one over there and one over there. And Jesus like, listen, buddy. It'll take more than a tabernacle to fix you. So, <laughs> lovey, the church of the Holy Sepulchre. So they go through there every day, and they swing the smoke. Smoke to the left, smoke to the right. Smoking and humming. Home, smoking here. <laughs> so they're trying to identify somehow listen you cannot identify by walking around a dead church trying to study history and geography and say well I'm trying to connect but the moment you open your Bible in your little house in the suburbs, you open your Bible while you're in your little chair, and you say, Holy Spirit, I would love to visit what happened on the cross in the death and the resurrection of Christ. I'd like to, I'd like to see that. Well, so in the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you see Jesus dying, Jesus buried, Jesus raised. Four Gospels. That's pretty much all you see is you see Jesus dying, Jesus buried, Jesus raised. But when you read Paul's letters, Paul said, I was there. He said, we were there. Yeah. On the cross, death, burial, and resurrection, Paul said, we were there. So I was like, huh, how is that? Even on Easter, they'd try to sing about it, and they're like, were you there? And I'm like, no, I don't think I was there. I mean... I didn't do it. I mean, don't blame me for it, but I don't know it in there. So, God forgive me, but it's a five-year sermon. So, what happened? I may not see you again for five years, so I may have to tell you right now. So, the four Gospels. Come on, how, how we doing over there, Raul? Yeah. All right, Raul. Once you see your identification with Christ, you'll be a happy Filipino. I'm telling you, I see on my, see who I am in Christ. All right, so. That's 
So the four Gospels, <laughs> four Gospels show you what happened to Christ. Get that? Four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, show you what happened to Christ. Paul's letters show you what happened in Christ. The four Gospels are a photograph of redemption. Paul's letters are an x-ray. Same picture, but a different kind of picture. You look a lot different in an x-ray than you do in a photograph. Most people will not send out an x-ray picture of their family for Christmas. It's, it's just so hard to recognize everybody. I mean, you're like, I think that's little Johnny. But anyway, so you, what happens in the x-ray is you see inside the person. So Paul's revelation. All right, let's try this out of here. I said, Paul's revelation. He had seen something awesome. He said, let me show you. What happened in Christ, in his death, burial, and resurrection? Let me show you what happened. That means we were there. I was there. You were there. X-ray. Hmm. Are four Gospels you see what man saw. In Paul's letters you see what God saw. Come on. Four Gospels you see what the Roman soldier saw. Paul's letters you see what angels saw. Wasabi, come on. You're like, I was made alive together with Christ. He gave me the same identical life that he gave to Christ. And he raised me up together with him. And he made me sit down together with him. Amen. So Jesus didn't go through the cross, the suffering, the death. To be raised from the dead and say, I, I sure hope that helped you out a little bit. <laughs> Bet you if you're having a struggle on Mondays, I, I hope that helped you out a little bit, he said, because it was hell for me, I can tell you that. He said, but I, I sure. Come on. Come on, Jesus didn't go through hell just to help you with a headache, baby. I said, when Jesus went through the suffering of the cross, come on, and he took your curse, and he took your sin, and he took your shame, and he died your death. When Jesus went through the cross, when he was raised up from the dead, whoa, Jesus, whoo, Jesus is Lord, he is Lord, he changes everything, whoo. Ha, ha, ha. Go ahead and laugh for a minute and say, ha, 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 ha.
Wasabi, so that guy wasabi. That guy sent me $100,000. He said, thank you for that. That changed my life. Wouldn't that be nice? I mean, I was just complaining to the Lord. I said, Lord, you know how much it costs me to be on TV every month? You know how much it costs me? He said, you think 100000 helps? help? I said, uh, it helps a lot. So, so the same guy sent me another 100000 another 100000 another 100000 He sent me $700,000, $800,000. Same guy. He went, wasabi. I thought, I need to preach on that again. That wasabi. <laughs> Are y'all still here? Wasabi, man. Come on. <laughs> Jesus changes everything in your life on Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Jesus changes everything. Come on, he wasn't raised from the dead. When he got raised from the dead, he's like, oh, oh my back hurts. You know, his hair's all messed up, you know, and he's like, he's got charcoal all over his face, you know. He's like, he's like, I'm alive. I came to give you this line. You're like, I already got that one, man. I don't need that one. He went like, could somebody help me to get back to heaven? I need a boot. <laughs> now, when Jesus was raised from the dead, he said, All power in heaven and in earth is given unto me in my name. Hallelujah. Your confession, come on, of your identification with Christ, Come on, even if you start off, you know, with just holding it in your mouth. I see some of y'all like, one day in your living room, come on now, in your bedroom, you're going to open up Ephesians and say, but I was made alive together with Christ. I was raised up together with him. I am seated together with him. The voice of victory. In other words, your confession of faith, your identification with Christ demands the same identical confession. So what you say is either agreeing with that or, or not agreeing with that. So your confession, so instead of asking people how they're feeling, you know, how many of y'all like to ask people how they're feeling? How you feeling? <laughs> you, most people don't have to ask. You just look at them. You don't even need word of knowledge. You go, it's bad, buddy. It's bad. You say, how you feeling? Well, Jesus, Bob says he's touched with our feelings. So he's concerned about how we feel. But then he said in Hebrews 4.14 to hold fast to your confession of faith. So that don't mean you don't know how you feel. So when people ask you how you're feeling, you say what? 
You say, I'm feeling the same way Jesus was feeling when he overcame this feeling. <laughs> In other words, I'm not denying that I don't have any feelings, but Jesus overcame every one of those feelings, and I confess that I have his life in me, my confession of faith that Jesus is my Lord. Lift your hands up and let's thank God for that. Father God, we thank you for the precious blood of Jesus. Redeemed by that blood. Cleansed by the blood of Jesus. That we are new creatures in Christ. Old things have passed away. Everything has become new. Thank you, Lord. Identified with you in your death and your resurrection. The same life that's in Christ. In each one of us, overcoming life, resurrection life, healing life, eternal life, this life, in our spirit right now, we are alive with the life of Christ. The very life of God flows in us right now. Thank you, Father God, all for your great mercy, your loving kindness. Everything you did in Christ, you did it for us. Set to the credit of our account like we were there. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We boldly confess who we are and what we have in Christ. Righteous in him. Redeemed. We overcome in him more than conquerors. In Christ. The law of the spirit of life in Christ has made me free from the law of sin and death. Woo! Go ahead and laugh at that for me and say, ha, ha, ha. Woo! Come on, you pass from death to life the moment you confess Jesus as your Lord. That means the devil cannot dominate any person that has this life. When you got this life, the devil can't dominate you. Sin can't dominate you. Sickness cannot dominate you. Old habits cannot dominate you. What's your confession? I've got the life of God on the inside of me. Jesus is my Lord. Somebody say, you sure about that? You say, yep, that's my story, and I'm sticking with it. I said, that's my story, and I'm sticking with it. Ha, 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 ha. Well, give the Lord a shout. Come on up here, Pastor.